Romans 15, 14-26. Hear the word of the Lord. I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge and able to instruct one another. But on some points I have written to you very boldly by way of reminder because of the grace given me by God to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles in the priestly service of the gospel of God so that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. In Christ Jesus, then, I have reason to be proud of my work for God, for I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and deed, by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and all the way around to Illyricum I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. And thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. But as it is written, those who have never been told of him will see, and those who have never heard will understand. This is the reason why I have so often been hindered from coming to you. But now, since I no longer have any room for work in these regions, and since I have longed for many years to come to you, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain, and to be helped on my journey there by you, once I have enjoyed your company for a while. At present, however, I am going to Jerusalem, bringing aid to the saints. For Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make some contribution for the poor among the saints at Jerusalem. Let's pray. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. New churches meet in all sorts of places. And there's a, an advantage to us to meeting in this ballroom. And one of the, the advantages is we have our very own disco ball. Now, I don't know how many other churches have disco balls. I've heard of churches starting in funeral homes, and so they have other accoutrements around. But we have, we have our very own disco ball. And that has actually been quite helpful to me uh, during this first year. Because a question that people have asked me frequently is, hey, how's it going? And uh, in answer to that question, sometimes, particularly in low points, when it doesn't look like it's going so well, I think about the disco ball. And I say, well, we're staying alive. (laughs) I have. That's been my response. I really have said that. And sometimes, sometimes, that's how it's felt, hasn't it? However, we have uh, much to celebrate, but it's been hard. As we've seen a number of our families move away, and other families who have been with us but just decided that this was not the church for them, there have been some hard times. We've had a couple funerals in our church, so it's been difficult uh, in the life of this church, and so sometimes it's really felt like we're staying alive. However, However, this is only a part of the story. And I want to remind us of the rest of the story, much of which is not seen on Sunday morning. So I want to fill this out so you know what God has been doing. And this is certainly not an exhaustive list. But during this first year, God has provided two meeting places for us that have been wonderful for our needs. He has provided all the help to set up and take down every Sunday. And let me just say parenthetically, thank you. Thank you, 
Thank you. That has not been burdensome because many hands make light work. And he has provided through the hands of this church. He has provided musicians, sometimes at the last hour. One Saturday, I was preparing a service without music because we had no musicians. It was going to be all readings and prayers and preaching, which would have been fine. And I got a call that Saturday, and God provided. So he has provided musicians for us. He has provided financially for us uh, through all of this year. He has developed a group of relative strangers, which is what it felt like at the beginning, to a loving community, the evidence of which you heard this morning. He has opened up numerous doors into local businesses, civic organizations, and government. He's opened up opportunities for Sandy and me to teach the Bible to more people during the week than generally gather here on Sundays. So this is only about half of the Bible teaching that goes on during the week. He has enabled uh, us to talk about the gospel and or the church to hundreds of people over this year from many states of the Union and from at least 20 different countries around the world. He has given people in our church opportunity to serve in the Keys after Hurricane Irma, uh, also in a revitalization program or project in Pompano Beach to send money to Puerto Rico and to Mexico and also uh, to collect food for a local children's home. He has brought people to faith in Jesus Christ and he has built up believers in the faith and he has also helped some disconnected believers reconnect with the church. He has also, as we heard this morning, he has encouraged established churches through us. As established churches have heard about our ministry, they have been encouraged in their outreach ministry as well. And so, at this one-year marker, we stop to give thanks for all the wonderful things that God has done. And at the same time, we use this text in Romans to think about why we're here and where, by God's grace, we plan to go. Paul here, at the end of Romans, is talking about his mission. He's talking about what he is as a minister of the gospel, and particularly as a minister to the Gentiles. Now, if you were here last week, we saw from 1 Peter that Christians are a royal priesthood, a holy priesthood, and as priests, priests, by definition, offer sacrifices. But we saw that we don't offer sacrifice for sins because that's already been done. Jesus Christ has already offered sacrifice for sins. But uh, what we do is we offer spiritual sacrifices, and we saw some of those briefly last week, but here is one of them. And here Paul presents his ministry as the offering of the nations up to God. That One of the sacrifices that we offer are all the nations that we bring before God. Look at uh, verse... Uh, 16, he says, to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles in the priestly service of the gospel of God so that the offering of the Gentiles or the offering of the nations may be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. So what are we offering? What is our mission? Our mission is to offer the nations to God, to present the nations to God. And how do we present the nations to God? We present the nations to God by presenting God to the nations. You see, that's how the nations get presented to God, by us presenting the gospel of God to the nations. So that defines Paul's ministry, and it defines our ministry as well. Now, eventually, eventually, 
we will send missionaries to other nations. As we had the privilege of being sent from the United States to another nation, and eventually we will send missionaries, our own missionaries, with our own money, we'll send them to other nations by God's grace. But in the meantime, God has already sent the nations to us. And He has put on our doorstep here in Broward County many nations. And we've already gotten to present God and present the gospel of God to some of those nations. Here's a partial list of the nations to whom we've gotten to present uh, something of the gospel of God this year. Canada, that's a pretty obvious one, right? China, Albania, Peru, Haiti, Honduras, Brazil, Poland, Serbia, Mexico, England, Guyana, Nicaragua, Dominican Republic, India, France, Pakistan, Ecuador, Ukraine, and Venezuela. In one year, we've gotten to say at least something about the gospel of God to these nations. This is our mission to present the nations to God by presenting the gospel of God to the nation. And what is that gospel? It's the good news that God has given His Son so that all who believe in Him might not perish but have eternal life. That He died, that He rose from the dead. That is our mission, and we think about that mission again. Now, Paul gloried in this work of presenting God to the nations and the nations to God. And he said, I can be proud of this. But he also recognized that he couldn't make anything happen on his own. If you look at verse 17, he's satisfied with this. He says, uh, in Christ Jesus then, I have reason to be proud of my work for God. But then he says, I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me. So first he talks about his work, but then he backs up and says, actually, I'm not the one that makes anything happen here. God is the one, Christ is the one that makes anything happen. Christ is the one who brings the Gentiles to the obedience of faith. And how does He do it? And Paul mentions the power of signs and wonders, the power of the Holy Spirit. And uh, Paul, in another place, mentioned that he was a co-worker. We can look that up. It's in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 3, verses 5-7. to 7. If you want to turn there, it's on page 1054 in the Bibles that are available to you. But this will see the attitude of Paul. Uh, one of the hardest working missionaries of all time. But then he says, he speaks about another missionary, another minister. He talks about Apollos uh, in uh, chapter 3, 1 Corinthians 3, 5. He says, what then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything but only God who gives the growth. So how is anything going to happen here? Well, by us watering, by us sowing, by us planting, and by God giving the growth. That's the only way that's going to happen. Um, We need to be patient. We need to be persistent in what God has given us to do, which is to get the gospel out to as many people as possible And then we need to also, we need to trust in God that He will give the increase in His due time. I've, over this year, looked back over a little booklet that I wrote called Los Primeros Veinte, the first 20. And the first 20 is about our 20 years in Guadalajara, uh, the first 20 years of the work there. 
And I wrote this. It's sort of an in-house thing. Uh, as they celebrated 20 years, they published this for the, the church members so that the church members could see what God had done over 20 years. But I'd sort of forgotten what I'd written in here. And I'd also forgotten how hard it was at first. And so I've especially been interested in these first chapters, and I've done what you're not supposed to do with books, but I've looked at the first chapters, and then I've kind of jumped to the end. And, and then it's an amazing contrast, because I can look at 1995, what happened? Nothing. 1996, not much. I uh, got a group of uh, English speakers together. We had kind of a NAFTA church, North American Free, Agre- uh, Free Trade Agreement, because a lot of multinationals were pouring people in. So we had some English speakers, but we weren't re- reaching Spanish speakers. So we got some English speakers going, uh, going, uh, getting together, and there were about 30 of those, and that grew to about 15 by 1997. Um, keep going, 1998 still, 1999. It, it's uh, not until about 2000 did we have a group of Spanish speakers about this size. After about five years, it was slow, it was discouraging, but what do we do? We had to keep persevering, keep getting the gospel out, waiting for God to give the increase. And He will, because the means are His, the gospel is His, the power is His, the church is His, and He will bring the increase in His due time. Now, another thing, going back to Romans 15, another thing about Paul. Paul was a minister who didn't want to build on other people's foundations. And he says this in verses 20 and 21. He says, um, verse 20, And thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation, but as it is written, those who have never been told of him will see, and those who have never heard will understand. This is the reason why I have so often been hindered from coming to you, but now since I no longer have any room for work in these regions, and since I have longed for many years to come to you, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain. Now we don't know if you ever got to Spain or not, but Paul's ambition was to go to the farthest outreach of the Roman Empire because nobody had preached the gospel there before and he wanted to be the first one to do it. Now there is nothing wrong with building on another's foundation. There's nothing wrong with that. Much gospel ministry is building on another's foundation. However, um, Paul had a ministry to lay the, the foundation where it had not been laid before. But he trained people to build on that foundation. He trained Timothy to do that. He trained Titus to do that. He, he, he wanted people to build on the foundations that were already laid. But there are pioneers and there are settlers. And they have different characteristics. Paul was a pioneer, and he trained settlers. And pioneers need settlers, and settlers need pioneers. You see, without pioneers, there will never be settlers. There will be nothing to settle. But without settlers, pioneers leave nothing behind. So this is a work together. But our work is something of a pioneering work. Now, we don't flatter ourselves to think that we're the first ones to preach the gospel in Broward County or eastern Broward County. No, far from it. There have been and there are faithful gospel-preaching churches uh, that are preaching and having a wonderful ministry. At the same time, you may have noticed, you who have been here longer than I have, recently anyway, that uh, many churches that had wonderful ministries in the past have declined in recent years, and many of them have even had to shut their doors. 
And in addition to that, the eastern part of Broward County is the part with the least number of gospel-preaching churches. And that's why we are meeting, even though we don't all live on this side, we're meeting here because we're trying to establish a beachhead, if you will, near the beach, where there aren't many gospel-preaching churches. Uh, I was, when getting desperate at one point, we had to leave Jarvis Hall after four months, and I looked and looked and looked and couldn't find a place, and I went to I don't know how many dozens of places up and down our target area, uh, east of the intercoastal, then our fallback was east of Federal Highway, and I was looking and looking and looking and couldn't find anything. And so then I went farther west, and I found a place that we could meet. And uh, I was somewhat relieved, but as I stepped off uh, into the, the stoop, the front steps of that place, I looked out and I could see, I think, three churches. And I said, this may be a great place for a church to meet, but not ours. We want to be where there aren't other churches meeting. And God, in His grace, has given us that opportunity. So what does this mean? This means that there's a priority. There's a priority for us on taking the gospel to those who haven't heard it. This means that our ministry will look different than some other churches. Many established churches have what's called, and this is not a criticism, this is an observation and even a praise of those churches. They have what are called attractional ministries, where they develop amazing programs and activities, and these amazing programs and activities draw people in. Uh, And so the direction is, you go to the church to receive the benefits of these wonderful ministries. And all churches do that. And we, of course, as we grow, will have more and more activities and programs and ministries. That's a natural development. However, these programs have a tendency to draw other Christians who are looking for a certain program that fits their needs better than other churches that they've seen. When people ask me about this or that program... I know that they really are probably not pioneers ready to be in a situation like our situation. When they ask about the substance of the church and they say, what do you have? I get to tell them with great excitement, what we have is God-centered worship. And what we have is biblical teaching. And what we have is a warm community. And what we have is a mission to take the gospel to people who haven't heard it, particularly in the northeast part of Broward County. That's what we have. But when they're asking, do you have a Saturday night service? Do you have uh, this program for kids, that program for kids? I have to say, we really don't have much. But I want to commend you folks. I want to commend you folks. Because you have that pioneering spirit. And that's not easy. That's not easy. To embrace the limitations of a startup church and to have the mentality of, whatever we don't have now, what can I do? to make it happen. You see, that's the mentality of a pioneer. A pioneer doesn't come along and ask, what do you have? A pioneer comes along and says, what do we need and what can I do to help us get that? A pioneer doesn't say, "Uh, where are you? But a pioneer says, where are we going together and how can I join in this journey to help us along? You know what our ministry looks like? Let me tell you what our ministry looks like. Our ministry looks like doing some exercise near Pompano Pier and meeting a guy that I'm going to call Chuck. All the names are changed here. Uh, A guy named Chuck who has a Catholic background, but he's been shaken by scandals and he's searching in his faith. Or meeting a woman named, I'm calling her Jenny, 
who manages an Einstein's and uh, before I'm about to eat my bagel or whatever it was, saying, Jenny, uh, do you ever think I'm going to give thanks for my bagel and I'd love to pray for you. Could I pray for you? And she says, yes, pray that I'd be able to remain sober. Or Abraham, whom I met at the a Chamber of Commerce meeting. And as we began to talk, I found out he had a Jewish background, a very strong Jewish background. But he had been in the Gulf War in Kuwait. And the things that he saw in the Gulf War in Kuwait said he could never believe in a God after that. And I just had to listen to him rant about believers and all the damage that we cause in this world. Or a guy I'm calling Rick who's a Muslim, and he was visiting from Ottawa, Canada, and we were exercising together. And he explained that he had Christian friends, and he he hoped that God would forgive him somehow. Or perhaps Raymond, I met him right out here as I was out on my bike, and he was at the bus stop right here. And he says he loves Jesus. And he seemed to have a lot of knowledge of the Bible, but he says he's addicted to alcohol and to cigarettes and Those addictions keep him living on the street. Or maybe Carlos, who was taking a break from his welding job. He's a Cuban man and he doesn't go to church because he thinks he has to clean himself up before he walks into a church. Or perhaps Anna, who manages a Starbucks where I hang out and I thanked her for how clean the Starbucks was and I commented on her name, which is actually not Anna, but it's a much more exotic name. And she told me that her parents were from Algeria and that she was no longer religious, but she was spiritual, which a lot of people say to me. But she did explain to me something about her faith. And I asked her, could I explain to you the the gospel, the Christian gospel? She said, yes, please do. And I asked her if she'd ever heard it before. And even though she grew up in Texas and grew up in this country, she says, no, I've never heard that before. And she asked me to pray for her brother who has Asperger's. Or for Dr. Danny, whom I found reading a book along the beach. And I asked him what he was reading. And we began to converse. And I have a daughter and a son-in-law who are physicians. And he's a physician. And we started talking about med school and the medical system and so on. And, and then found out he was from India. And he practices the Sikh religion. And I know nothing about the Sikh religion. So I said, educate me. Would you please explain to me about the Sikh religion? And he explained it to me. And then I had an opportunity to explain to him something about the Christian religion. It turns out we have a a mutual friend. So I contacted that mutual friend and said, would you take a Bible? He's a neighbor of Dr. Danny and he took a Bible over. The next time I saw Dr. Danny, he read a little bit of the Gospel of Mark. Or Sharon, who sent out a calendar from her real estate agency. And I got the calendar uh, left at my house. And so I went by the agency to say, thank you. Thank you for giving me a calendar. That was very nice. And she talked to me about her need for protection. And so I stood there and prayed for her in her real estate office. Or maybe Abdul, he's from Pakistan. He left the Muslim faith. Both of his parents died very young, but he was very friendly and offered to teach me the game of pickleball whenever I want to learn. Or Kathy, she called our church needing gas. Just moved down here from New Jersey. And she's trying to find a job. Her husband has a job as a roofer, but it was raining, so he was not able to do his job. She was looking for a job, has two young kids, and needed a tank of gas to get to uh, her interviews. Or Lisa, whom I met at a diner. And she was uh, serving, and I realized she spoke Spanish, so I talked to her in Spanish, and she prayed with us. And then I went back another time and saw her there, and I greeted her, and she seemed very, very unfriendly. And then she came over later. She wasn't waiting on us, but she said, it's not you. 
It's just that I didn't want to burst into tears. You see, I have a work permit to be in this country. Because of these changes, I'm facing the possibility of deportation. But my son, my six-year-old son, is an American with an American dad, and the American dad has blocked him from leaving the country. And so if I get deported, I'm leaving my six-year-old son. Would you pray for me to have a good judge that would hear my case? Or maybe Robert, he manages a... a uh, a hotel in Lauderdale by the Sea, and I was stopping by the hotels and placing our church cards in their in their racks and greeting the managers. And Robert looked at the card and he said, "Where is this?" And he said, "I have a three-year-old son, and I want to teach him the Bible. I'm interested in church. Maybe I'll come sometime, or maybe like we did last week, go to Unity in the community in Pompano Beach and give out Hershey bars and Tootsie Roll pops, and Sandy sit there with the kids at a Play-Doh table and talk to a Ukrainian mom who's also." worried about getting deported. That's what our ministry looks like. And so if people ask you, what's your ministry look like? That's, that's what our ministry looked like. It's out in the community, talking with people and praying for them and sharing this good news of Christ. And I want to ask you something about all these examples. Now, obviously, I write these down so I can keep praying for these folk, but any of these things seem like you need a theological degree to do them? Any of these things uh, seem like uh, you have to be an ordained pastor to do these things? to talk to waitresses or to talk to people exercising on the beach or to meet people at a hotel or at a store, any, any of these things, that's what our ministry looks like. It looks like people gathering for worship, people loving each other, people learning from the Scripture, and then people taking that good news out to their different circles. That's our mission. That's what it looks like around here. Now, in our mission, there's one more thing and something we don't want to forget. Paul mentions at the end here, He says, I want to go to Spain. I'm pushing out, but first I need to go to Jerusalem. And the reason he needed to go to Jerusalem is because there were poor people in Jerusalem that needed help. And he said, at present, however, I'm going to Jerusalem, bringing aid to the saints. For Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make some contribution for the poor among the saints at Jerusalem. Paul went out of his way 2,000 miles so that he could personally deliver this aid that he had collected among the Gentile churches, so that he could personally deliver this to the poor in Judea and Jerusalem. He had a priority not only on reaching those who hadn't heard, he also, as he was doing it, had a priority on those who have physical needs as well. And even though we are young as a church, it's never too early to remember the poor. And also, even though we're young and few and just getting started, God has blessed us with resources beyond what many, many churches have. And so we also have that responsibility to remember the poor. So, in answer to the question, Larry, how's it going? Well, I may still joke about our disco ball. And I may still say, at low times when we're struggling along, I may say, well, at least we're staying alive. But a much more accurate answer to that question is this. We've had a fantastic first year by God's grace. And we anticipate that He will give us many more fabulous years to come as He, through His grace, through His Spirit, builds His church through people like us. Let's pray. Our God, we thank You for Your Grace to us in this first year. There have been high points. There have been low points. There has been laughter. There have been tears. There have been goodbyes and there have been welcomes. But we thank You through it all that Your love never lets us go. 
and that the steadfast love of the Lord endures forever, that your mercy never comes to an end, and that you have given our little church the opportunity to speak to the nations, to hundreds of people over this past year, a word of grace, a word about your Son who came and died and rose again. Oh God, take this year that you have used and we pray that it would be a launching pad for great things in the future. Not great things for the glory of our name as Florida Coast Church or as a minister or whatever it might be, but great things for the name of Christ. May Christ be praised. May Christ be lifted up. And may we be able to present more and more of the nations to you as we present you to the nations. And we pray this all in the name of Christ. Amen.